Um, there's a couple things in God's word that I don't want my kids to do. There's a number of things in the Bible that I just simply would say, I'm not sure I want my kids to do that. Like I, as I read the word, I'm like, I, maybe, you know, I'm glad they're at their own service because there's a couple of them that I'm just not sure they should do. Open up your Bible to 2 Kings 2.23. Then he went up there to Bethel. Elisha went up to Bethel and should have went to North Central. <laughs> and he was going up, by the way, and young lads came out of the city and mocked him and said, get on up, you old bald head. Get up there, you baldy, follically challenged individual. Now, if you're bald and you're in here, that's all right. We know who you are. There's nothing wrong with that. I told my wife, if I ever go bald, I mean, if you're, just, if you're bald, that's fine. But if you're bald and you got a snake tattooed on your neck, you were in jail. No one's going to bother you. But this follically challenged individuals going up this mountain, and these boys come out and start making fun of him for the lack of his hair. And when he looks behind them and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. I don't want my kids cursing. And I don't want them cursing anyone in the name of the Lord. And then two female bears came out of the woods and ate 42 boys in their number. That's something you'll never see embroidered at a Christian bookstore. <laughs> you know, when people ask me, like, hey, Pastor Eric... Tell me what your life verse is. Two female she-bears came out of the woods and tore up 40. I don't want my kids doing that, cursing anybody in the name of the Lord. Okay, there's another one. Something else I don't want my kids doing. Ezekiel chapter 4. If you have time, go there, which we do. Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 9. How many of you have ever heard of Ezekiel bread? Okay. It's in your grocer's like freezer section, organic, which is another word for expensive. <laughs> but Ezekiel bread has got a specific recipe, and they get it out of Ezekiel 4, verse 9. God says to Ezekiel, But as for you, take wheat, barley, beans, lentil, nil it, split, put it in one vessel, and make it into bread for yourself. You're going to eat it to the court according to the days that you lie on your side, 390 days. He says to Ezekiel, you are going to make this bread and you're going to eat it for 390 days. Now, just a little science fact here about this bread. It is a perfect protein that is formed. God knows all kinds of stuff because he made all of the stuff. I mean, there's parts in scripture where God didn't want bunnies to come into the camp. And in a barefoot or a saddle, uh, like a sandal Birkenstock culture, what does God have to, like, against bunnies? But when bunnies pee, something you'll never hear from this stage again, unless it's me. When bunnies pee in their urine, there's a special bacteria that if you get it in a cut on your foot, you, you get this tulophilia or something. I can't remember the, how do you don't even know how to pronounce it. Google it yourself. And you try and say it in front of a bunch of people. But you get this infection, and it actually can kill you. Now, this is before the German scientists figured it out of germ theory. 
You know, see, when the bunnies pee, what you know, you know, like we don't know any of that. But God, like, knew that. And he knows Ezekiel can live off this bread. But he tells them, you're going to cook this bread a certain way. You're not going to blanch it. You're not going to grill it. You're not going to bake it. You're not going to easy bake oven that thing. How many of you have ever had a granddaughter or a daughter make you something out of an easy bake oven? And it's basically raw in the middle. It should be called easy ringworm oven or easy parasite for your mom and dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, but God says you're not going to pan fry it, broach it. You're not going to, you know, water baste it, bake it. You're not going to bake this in a traditional oven or in a traditional way. What you're going to do, Ezekiel, is you are going to bake this as a barley cake in their sight, reading from Ezekiel verse 4, chapter 12, over human dung. I don't want my kids to do that ever. Could you imagine that bake sale? Your church is raising money for something, and like, hey man, we we made this uh, we made this bread for you. Oh yeah, how how'd you prepare it? Yeah, it's biblical. I don't want my kids to do this. I, I love what Ezekiel says, by the way. Uh, he goes, God, listen, I've never defiled anything from my youth until now. I've never eaten, died anything of itself, or was torn by beasts, nor anything unclean has ever entered my mouth, let alone bread over hook, cooked over human dung. Come on. God hears Ezekiel's cry. Chapter 4, verse 15. See, I will give you cow's dung in place of human dung for which you are to prepare your bread. Thanks. Jehovah Java. That's something in here I don't want my kids to do. Something else. Romans 16, 16. This isn't necessarily for my kids. This is more for like Pastor Jim Philbeck. Pastor Mark, most of you, greet each other with a holy kiss. As all the churches of Christ, no, no, don't you dare greet me with a holy kiss. We're in line waiting for like dinner tomorrow. Pastor Eric, I really loved your message. <laughs> Somebody's getting punched and it's you. Don't do that. Whoever keeps dropping that water bottle, I promise, I'm going to come down there. Oh, it's a kid? I feel bad now. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, and if you got your ring, ringer on on your cell phone, shut it off, okay? Unless it's a Top Gun soundtrack, then leave it on. Here's another thing I don't want my kids doing, okay? Mark 12, 51. A young man was following him, Jesus, wearing nothing but a linen sheet. Covering his naked body. And they seized him, but he pulled free of the linen sheet and escaped naked. 
Don't you dare do that ever at camp. There's all kinds of things in the Bible that I don't want my kids uh, to do. And some of those are humorous and some of those are theologically treacherous, but the reality is, is I don't want my kids to ever forget the power of forgiveness. There's a lot of things in the Bible that I don't want my kids to do, and I want them to become, I want that to guide, but I never want them to forget the power of forgiveness. There's so much power in forgiveness. There's so much beauty in forgiveness. What you need to know about forgiveness is it's merely not just an emotion or an action. It's literally the opposite of hate. 1 John 3.16 says this, We know what love is this by Jesus laid down his life for us. And not just for us, but for the forgiveness of sin. Not just for you, but for the entire world. Why did Jesus die? This is a question of the atonement. This is a question of the cross. This is a question of the finished work. He died for the forgiveness of sin. The greatest form of love, according to the book of 1 John 3.16, is Christ laying down his life in reality to be raised from the dead for the forgiveness of sin, to show what love is. We know what love is by this, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sin. So what you need to know about forgiveness is forgiveness is merely not just forgiveness. It's the greatest form of love. Unforgiveness, then, it's the greatest form of of hate. Now, just so you know, I I, I wrote it out this way, and, and Josh and... The crew, Jenny, I, that screen that's supposed to have the next slide, it's off. I can't see a dang thing. All I know is there's a giant clock blinking in Pastor Mark's face pointing at the clock, saying you have plenty of time. I don't feel any pressure at all. But withholding forgiveness is really releasing hate. I don't mean releasing hate as in letting it go. I mean releasing hate towards the one. That's what I mean. And when we start talking about forgiveness, I, I, want a couple, I want to talk a little bit about a couple things forgiveness is number or is not. Number one, let, let's go through this. Forgiveness is not endorsing. Forgiveness is not saying, hey, it's great that you did that. It's okay that that happened. It's an endorsement. It's a seal of approval. Forgiveness is not endorsing this. And I think sometimes we need to have that clarified. Forgiveness is also not, well, it went away. Forgiveness is not always forgetting. You know, some things that you will be impacted with that when you forgive, you might just not be able to forget. Sometimes forgiveness is not always forgetting it because of what happened. It's not focusing on it, but it's not always forgetting. Something else I don't think forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not... 
closing the door for justice. There are certain things in the world that people will do that will affect your life that when you forgive them, it doesn't mean that they don't have to carry out or should carry out those circumstances in a court of law. Sometimes forgiveness is not closing the door for justice, but letting go and and realizing it's not your job to bring it. One other thing forgiveness is not. Okay, let's move on. Forgiveness is wishing well. This is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is actually wishing people well. When you forgive someone, you are wishing them well. There's a song by Johnny Cash. Sooner or later, God's going to cut you down. That's a very encouraging song. Have you ever had a person in your life that you needed to extend forgiveness to you or to them and you said, well, I forgive you, but, but God's going to get you. That's not forgiveness. See, forgiveness is actually wishing the other person well. Forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is reclaiming power. Sometimes when you are in a spiral of pain, forgiveness is a way to pull up on the sticks that are guiding that plane. It's a way that we reclaim power that's been taken from us. And so many times in our life, when when we look at things or areas or situations where our power has been taken from us, Forgiveness is reclaiming that power. Forgiveness is also doing this, stopping the hurt. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, what? Forgive them. I'm taking all of what's happening. I'm putting it all on myself. I'm not going to put it out any further. It ends with me. And there's a cycle and there's a saying that I hear over and over and it's cliche because it's true. Hurt people hurt people. People that are holding on to unforgiveness extend unforgiveness. And it's this cycle that you can find yourself in. And when you extend forgiveness, you actually stop the hurt. You're saying, no matter where this goes, it's not going any further than me. And Christ will carry this for me. Forgiveness is these things. Forgiveness is also walking with the wounds. Forgiveness is provision in the pain. Forgiveness is provision with the wounds. God, I pray that tonight when we go here to your word, that you would speak to those in this room that need to forgive someone that has long passed, someone they could never meet, someone they could never talk to, Because they're separated by death. The other person's incarcerated. They would never be able to find them. They would never know them. I pray, Lord, that tonight would be the night. God, I pray for those that are in this room that have unforgiveness to someone in this room. That tonight, 
Holy Spirit work in their life tonight. Jesus, I pray for those that are here that look in the mirror and they're holding themselves ransom in a prison that they do not smell or taste, but it's the very rods of iron called unforgiveness and they're holding themselves accountable. That's something you have washed clean. I pray for that freedom tonight for them. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. Open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Then David said, Is there anyone left in the house of Saul? Comma. Now, if you heard the king David say, Is there anyone left in the house of Saul? You immediately think, Oh no, somebody's going to get it. Saul tried to kill David over 20 times, poison, people, spears. Saul did not like David, and he tried to kill him. And when you're the new king, and you've got the power, one of the things that you do in a hierarchical society like this, in, in like this ancient part of the people of God, is you clear the slate, we do this sometimes in a microcosm in some of our Assembly God churches. When a senior pastor resigns, everybody sometimes quits. And we start over. And I don't even want to get into that. But the truth is, is we see this moment in Scripture when David asks the question, is anyone in left in the house of Saul? And everyone's like, oh boy, someone's going to die. David is going to clear the slate. We know what Saul did. We know how he acted. And then David flips the script. That I may show what? Read it for yourself. That I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant in the house of Saul who was named Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And Ziba said, I am. The king said, is there not anyone left in the house of Saul who I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said, there is still a son of Jonathan well, who's crippled in both feet. You got Saul, then you got Jonathan, and you got this person Ziba is talking about, but he's crippled in both feet. He, he's, he's lame in both feet. He can't walk. He's confined to some sort of physical ailment that keeps him from walking normal. He's disabled. And they said, well, David says, well, who the heck is he? Where is he? Ziba says, well, he lives over there. King said, well, go get him. Now Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his faith. Laid himself down and David said, Mephibosheth. Now, can you imagine Mephibosheth is just sitting on Mephibosheth's couch watching Mephibosheth's TV? On his Netflix, you know, Mephibosheth's 
login password. By the way, how many of you have Netflix? You're a Netflix subscriber. Okay, put your hand up. Put your hand up if you're a Disney Plus or Hulu subscriber. You're a subscriber for, to Amazon Prime. Put your hand up. Okay, give that same subscription to Lake Geneva monthly. It's really not hard. Or Summit Church in Minnesota, either way. No, how many of you just um, put your hand up if you're a Netflix or you're a subscriber or something? Put it up, okay. Put it up again. Put it up. It's fun. It's, we're having a blast. And then, okay, now keep it up if you're just actually stealing someone's password. Okay, the Lord's working on you. You two, right here. Let's talk about this. What's your name? Ron? You're stealing Netflix? You're borrowing. Okay. No, you're justifying, Ron. Ron, it's not in the Bible, but, well, reaping and sowing is definitely in the Bible. And when you get to heaven, the place that God's preparing for you, your room is going to have cable. Ron, and it's going to have one channel and one show, Touched by an Angel. That's it. You should have got your own password. Ron's literally on his phone right now, logging in, typing his credit card to Lake Geneva. All right, moving on. But could you imagine Mephibosheth just sitting there watching his TV, and Mephibosheth's door is knocked on, and he's like, who is it? And Mephibosheth you know, has this fear come over him because they're like, it's, it's us who are sent from King David, the new guy who your grandfather, this whole Saul thing, and he's coming to collect your head. Like, it's over for you, buddy. Mephibosheth has got a point here where he's got to be filled with what should be the normal operating procedure for the new king in power to wipe out all of what Saul was. So there's no surprise that when he gets to the king, he lays down on his face and extends his body out so flat. And he said, I, I am your servant. And David says this, do not fear. I will surely show kindness to you for your sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat at my table regularly. Mephibosheth is laying there and David says, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't sweat this. I'm not only going to restore you, but I'm actually going to restore you and then some. I'm not just going to show kindness to you. I'm going to show kindness to you abundant. Like you are going to eat at my table. You should see what the kings eat. You're not going to have to work. You're not going to have to do what you're doing. You're going to be able to come to my house and live in my kingdom. And I'm going to restore you. And Mephibosheth can't even believe it. And again, he prostrated himself flat and low. And he says, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? And then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, all right, here's the deal, Ziba. 
I'm going to lay this out once and for all. All of the belong to Saul and all in his house I've given to your master's grandson. It all now belongs to Mephibosheth. Everything that was is now his. Get him up off the floor. He's got to be looking at him at some point in this, in this moment. And he says, you and your sons and your servants will cultivate the land for him. He's talking to Ziba, the servant. He says, you're going to do all this work. And you're going to bring in the produce so your master's grandson may have food. Never-ending food. Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table. And Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, according to all that you ask and command... Your servants, my, me and my servants, we will do. And Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of, kings, as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem and he ate at the king's table regularly. And this story in the second part of the ninth chapter of the book of Samuel ends with this phrase. Now he was lame in both feet. He was lame in both feet. And what I find so interesting in this story of restoration, of forgiveness, of overlooking the past, of looking to the future, that forgiveness is provision, even with the scars. Mephibosheth was lame in both feet in the beginning of that story, restored, given above and beyond, and he still was lame in both feet. This is what forgiveness is. And so I've got a couple questions for you. Are you holding on to unforgiveness towards someone in your past? Are you holding on unforgiveness towards an assailant, towards a parent that you never met, towards a situation that was beyond your control, to someone who harmed you physically? I could go through the list of ways people could do this. Are you holding on to unforgiveness, extending hate even to that person Still, in your space, even here, are you holding on to unforgiveness? Who is the Mephibosheth in your life? I'm asking you that question tonight. Are you holding unforgiveness towards someone in this room? Another family member that's a text away, a brother, a sister. Do you realize that sometimes your family... They will help you become more like Jesus than no one else can. Are you holding on to unforgiveness in someone in this room? I'm asking the question. Maybe they're a phone call away. They're in your neighborhood. Maybe they're in leadership. Maybe you know who they are, where they sit. In fact, some of you are sitting over here and you're sitting over here and you, you don't sit near each other because of unforgiveness creating a gap. In my spirit, as I just have prayed through this, as the band comes, as we move to this moment of freedom for, for many of you, are you holding on to unforgiveness to yourself? 
I have made mistakes in my life. And people ask me all the time, Eric, how do you get started doing what you do? You have to experience forgiveness. I remember story after story, and I don't need to bring you through the muck or the mire of my space out of respect for the fact that it's in the rear view mirror of my marriage, of my life, of my character. But there are things that I have held over me. Because sometimes we don't extend forgiveness to even ourselves. There's a mentor, a friend, uh, his name is Dr. Timothy Keller. Many of you know who he is and the battle that his life is. But Dr. Keller has written a lot of books. It's, he's, he's an amazing person that's given us some insight. He talks about forgiveness and, and he writes this, hurt or be hurt. Hurt, be hurt, or there is another option. You can forgive. Forgiveness means refusing to make them pay for what they did. However, to refrain from lashing out at someone when you want to do so with all your being is agony. It is a form of suffering. You absorb the debt, taking the cost of it completely onto yourself instead of, it, instead of taking it out on the other person. And it hurts terribly. Many people would say it feels like a kind of death. It's a death to yourself. It's the death to be right. But great life comes from death. Yes. But it's a death that leads to resurrection instead of a lifelong life of living in bitterness, death of bitterness and cynicism. You are not giving it any fuel. And the resentment, and so not sought, the resentment burns lower and lower. Forgiveness is provision even with the wounds. Now I'll show you. I love in Romans that in Romans 6, I mean, we could, I mean, I don't have time to go through it tonight, honestly. We're already moving on. But the bottom line, many of you have tried this. Tried to have the Holy Spirit help you in this. Let me show you what that looks like. Uh, can you grab that other, that little helium thing? Are you wired up? Can you grab that helium? That There's a helium tank and a, and a piece of rope back there and a balloon. Bring that out here. Stay here. What's your name? Hey, Jacob. I enjoy your drumming. You're a talented drummer. Um, Jacob, why are you holding that like it's going to blow up? 
you're okay. Relax. Stand right here. So, Jacob, I want you to tr just keep that balloon in the air. Just No, keep it in the air. Don't touch it. But it's a game. Let it go. Let it go. Let Jacob, the hand, you're a drummer. Yeah, there you go. Now keep it in the air. Keep it going. Keep it going. You got it. Man, I'm going to try and forgive this person. I'm going to work at it every day. I'm going to think about it. I'm gonna just going to give it my best effort. It's about what I can bring to the table with my striving, my constant juggling of the pain. Sometimes it gets a little out of control and I almost drop it. But I, I, I try to deal with the unforgiveness in my life by keeping it in my life, letting it be around, hang around. I keep it going. I move it. I put it from place to place. I, I medicate it. I do whatever I can. I'm trying the Holy Spirit to deal with this, but it's me constantly moving it around and around, and it stays in my life. Does that make sense to you? This is what we do. Jacob, keep going. Now, this is a big jar of the Holy Spirit. If you breathe from this, it'll make you talk funny. That's a good joke on the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, hold on. I'm going to set this mic down for a second. Keep going, Jacob. Keep going. Don't let it go. What you need to know God wants for some of you to see tonight. You've been trying to deal with this unforgiveness towards someone in your life. You've been trying to deal with this unforgiveness towards someone, maybe even in this room. You've been trying to deal with this unforgiveness towards yourself. And it's like keeping a balloon filled with your own air in the air. But Jacob, this is what it looks like to trust the Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's not your effort. It's his beautiful power. So I've got a question for you. I've got a question for every single one of you. Because sometimes it starts with just people here sowing their gifts. I want to ask you all a question, every single one of you in this room. What is this in your life that is this balloon that you're holding on to that you need to let go? 
with forgiveness tonight. I'm asking you, you came to family camp, why don't you leave free from family camp? Why do you come here year after year holding on to something, trying to, trying to hold it up in the air with your own effort when all you gotta do is, Jacob, go ahead, let it go. Let it go. Somebody can get that down later. Jacob, go play the drums. But that's what, that's what it looks like. It's out of your life. It does not mean those things I talked about, but it does mean those things that Jesus displayed. So my question is this. First and foremost, are there people in this room right now, you can keep your eyes open, but let's move. Let's, let's start asking God to speak to us, to move in us, to do something in your heart. Who is that person in your life? You couldn't go back to it. You don't want to talk to them. You couldn't find them. They're maybe dead and gone, but you're holding on to unforgiveness and you need to release it tonight. There are people that want to pray with you. Right here, I want you to get up out of your chair and come down to this altar right now. I'm talking to you. There's somebody in your past that you can't get a hold of because they're gone. You wouldn't want to get a hold of because they're incarcerated. There's some situation that's in your past that you've been holding on to. Come down here right now. I'm waiting for you. We're waiting for you because tonight is your night where you walk out of here, not striving to keep this thing in the air. Come down here all the way. People can see. That's okay. Come on, come down here, all of you. I'm talking to you. The Holy Spirit's been talking to you. There are some of you in this room that right now, you need to get up out of your chair and you need to go find that person that's in this room right now. You need to get up out of your chair right now and you need to go find that person in this room. Get up right now and go. There's people moving. There's something that's in your family that needs to stay here and not go with you. Talking to you. I'm waiting for you. There's more coming. If you're here tonight and there's something that's happened to you and you are holding yourself ransom, you have not forgiven yourself. You know God has forgiven you. You know the Holy Spirit is doing something new, but you're holding yourself accountable towards something that you did. You get out of your chair and come down here right now. Tonight's your night. Come on, get up. I'm talking to you. God's been speaking to you. 